Well, hey guys, welcome to the Boning Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Okay, so um, in this episode, I have a, a guy that's local to me. It's a guy by the name of Jared Robran, and um, he he literally lives like. I don't know, maybe like 10 miles as, as the crow flies. Um, we kind of follow each other or on the same similar, you know, Facebook groups and things like that on Facebook. Uh, recently started following each other on Instagram. And Jared's, uh, his, his pictures and stuff, his posts caught my eye because he posts some amazing, amazing uh, pictures with food, with uh, with all the stuff that he hunts. So he's a very successful hunter, uh, shoots a bunch of deer a year. We get, we get into talking about that. But um, there's not a lot of like grip and grin with him, which is great because um, his grip and grins are like plates <laughs> and uh, prepared dishes and things like that. It, it's very, very cool. Um, that's, you know, like 50% of the reason that I hunt. Uh, I've said that before many, many times. So anytime I see somebody that is uh, putting out like amazing food and like his presentations and stuff like look amazing too. It's not just like a bunch of like, you know, here's some stuff on a plate that I made with deer. Um, it, it actually looks really, really good. They're, um, you know, I wouldn't say like they're professional or anything like that, but they look a whole lot better than what I put out on, on pictures. So um, it definitely caught my eye. He's got a, you know, big passion for hunting and a big, big passion for uh, for cooking and processing and doing all kinds of cool stuff with um, with the wild game that, uh, that, that he and his family shoot, not only just with uh, deer, but with, uh, you know, small game and everything like that too. So uh, re- really cool talking to him. Uh, really um, kind of geeked out over this one uh, a little bit, kind of like I did with uh, Nick Otto with, uh, on, on the Hunt of War uh, when he was a guest here, and then I was a guest on his podcast too. So um, it's, it's uh, so sorry if you guys aren't into the whole like, cooking and food and processing thing. I, I apologize. We don't really get to talk a whole lot of bow hunting in this one. Um, but hey, that's just the way, that's just the way it is. So he's just a conversation with a couple of guys that really like food and really like exploring uh, what can, what can be done with the game, you know, that we chase and, and harvest and all that stuff and kind of extend your season, if, if you will, where you get to, you know, think about and enjoy uh, all the the fruits of our labor, you know, everything that we you know, are, are able to harvest and things like that. And then uh, just enjoy that for the duration of the year, even though we're still not in, in hunting season. So, um, yeah, anyway, so really cool, really cool podcast. Really great talking to him. I'm surprised I haven't run into him because we hunt like pretty much like in the exact same spots um, around here. There's a bunch of WMAs and um, uh, uh, wildlife refuges and stuff like that that are, you know, very, very well known. They're all within like, you know, 15, 20 minutes of me. Same with him. And uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll run into each other out there, out there, you know, sometime. So um, other than that, no, no big, no big news. Um, yeah, I think that's that's really a turkey season's coming up over here. I bought my turkey tag, and I think next week. So today's like the eighth, I think seventh, eighth when I'm recording this. Seventh, sixth. Yeah, I'm jumping ahead of myself. So today's the sixth when I'm recording this, and um, next week, next Wednesday, I believe turkey season starts. If I'm not mistaken. So uh, pretty jazzed about that. Really, really jazzed about that. Still gonna do it on the ground, uh, either with a ghillie or my leafy suit, and just kind of. Uh, walk around. I tried again, yet again, I tried doing, uh, <clears throat> getting into the whole mouth call thing. Um, I can't do it. I gag. I, I trimmed them back. I trimmed them back quite a bit. 
and it just really sounds like a really, really weak goose. I can't get the turkey sound out of these things. This is like the second or third time I've given a shot to uh, mouth calls. Um, but having like nearly thrown up, you know, in the car driving, trying to do this, I'm like, all right, I'm done. Uh, this is, this is the third attempt at it. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. So, um, just going <laughs> to stick with my pot and peg call, my slate call rather. And, um, that seems to be, uh, that seems to be a good option anyway. It works out really well. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much it. So not, a, not a lot, a whole lot more to update on you guys. If you are not watching the YouTube channel, watch the YouTube channel, still putting stuff out there. Um, still kind of baffled by YouTube uh, and analytics, not analytics, uh, alg algorithms, where, again, I can put a video out on traditional archery or I just did one on a clicker or whatever, and it'll get, like, lots of views relatively quickly. I'll do one, a review on, like, a pair of boots, and it has, like, 74 views. So if you do go watch those videos, do me a huge favor and just just, just do me a solid and just click on, like, the, the views or the, the, the videos with, like, no views or like low views. Uh, I really like to kickstart those and just kind of give like two fingers to uh, to YouTube just to, just to say you know f you to the to the algorithm. So anyway, um, yeah, that's uh, I'm gonna stop babbling here. So with that said, uh, here is my interview with Jared Robren. Hopefully, the screen should say soon. There we go. Awesome. Does it show on your screen? Recording? Uh, yes, it does. Sweet, awesome. So, Jared, I'm, okay, I'm I'm probably gonna mess up how I say your last name, but is it Jared Rob Robran? You got it. And I Sweet. have no idea how to say your name. Emra Oric. <laughs> Emra Oric. It's yeah, kind of yeah. how it looks, right? I, but I I have no yeah. idea. Like it could be. Uh, I don't know. I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. See, but. mine's like a double whammy. It's not like you know an easy first name with like a you know a weird Johnson. last name kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's actually like. I always tell people, like, my last name's easier to pronounce because it's, like, Oric the Vacuum Cleaner, but not spelled that way, and I don't have, oh, like, a sure. vacuum cleaner dynasty or anything like I that. I remember but... those commercials. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the Oric. The Oric man. Yep. So, um, you're uh, one of the few guests I actually have, like, that's actually, like, local to me. Like, you and I probably live, like, less than 10 miles apart, like, as the crow flies, probably. Yeah. Maybe 15. You know what I mean? Um, you're in, uh, you're in Minnesota, and... I guarantee you, you and I hunt like probably all the same spots. We probably oh, have been sure in the same, it. you know what I mean? Yep. We've probably been in the same unit, like at the same time, who knows, you know, but, um, so you, uh, we were just talking before we started recording here. Um, normally like, I'm like, oh yeah, I follow you on Instagram and this and that. I'm like, man, I don't need, I don't think I even follow you on Instagram. Um, but I do find, follow you on a, you know, a bunch of different forums and stuff on Facebook, right? We're part of the same kind of different, uh, uh, like saddle hunting communities and, uh, and things yep, like yep. that, I think. And you post some like really cool stuff as far as uh, food. And that's really what, what kind of like, like popped you on my radar. I'm like, Oh man, this guy, this guy knows how to cook. <laughs> at least, at least it looks that way. I make, okay? I give the impression. Yeah. <laughs> you give the impression. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I got to have a conversation with this guy because um, you know, my, my, you know, 50% of hunting for me is like after the field. Right. And it's all the, the, the cooking and the processing and, and, and everything like that. Right. So that, that to me is, is, is like huge. So, um, you know, I guess, I guess before we get like, like too far ahead, so we know you live in Minnesota. Um, but what do you do? What's, what's your, what's your daily occupation? Oh, so, uh, my day job, I'm a program manager and, okay. uh, but what basically as a project manager of many projects, right. So, um, yeah. I've, I, I've 
been in this profession for like 15 years or so um doing project management scrum in the in the software engineering space okay um so that's what my day job is um i'm not gonna say that's my passion so i was just gonna say and your passion is <laughs> <laughs> obviously my passion is hunting and cooking what i hunt um yeah. a little bit of fishing but not uh, not too much. I'm not too crazy about fishing, but I, yeah, I, me neither. I, I do I, love I, a walleye one every once in a while. Yeah, my, my the extent of my fishing is like I'll you know go out to like get a fish off the dock with my daughter like once or twice a summer. You know what I mean? And then that's good. Um, yeah, my, my kids just have no patience for it, and uh, and so like my daughter, my daughter's probably the best one about actually going out and fishing with dad for a while. You know, she'll she'll put up with it, but uh, my son ain't quite there yet, and um so yeah the, the hunting stuff has been uh kind of our go-to our bread and butter for putting meat in the freezer how, how long you been uh you been a lifelong hunter so uh you know I, I i was deer hunting when i was a kid you know like start with 12 and i go out deer hunting with my dad and then um i kind of you know football took over and stuff and not that i was any good at that either but um you know i, I would play football and it kind of took over my deer season uh, during high school and then when i got into college i had all uh, kinds of other things going on um so i kind of like strayed away from the hunting thing for a good 10 years and uh so i you know i got married and i had kids and starting a career and all this and then my cousin's like hey you should come you should come deer hunting with me i'm like all right like you know so i went and bought a muzzleloader um uh, because i could hunt two seasons i didn't have a like a deer a good deer gun you know so i got this muzzle loader and shot it you know we went out there and we shot a doe on some public land and i'm like God, man i was jacked like yeah. i've never been so excited in my life right now um, so like all right i gotta figure out a way to like extend the season right and so then like the next year then i brought i, I got into bow hunting and it was all over after that so um but the uh the thing is we you know we hunted down that southeast the southeast uh area mm-hmm. so you could shoot two deer um and then we could get uh so we ended up shooting a bunch of deer and then like we took them to the um we took them to the processor and i was like man it was expensive like i think we ended up with like a 200 dollar bill a piece yeah and we got to thinking you know if we we could buy like a grinder and a bunch of other stuff with this kind of money that we're putting in if we felt like we got ripped off you know um i think everyone does when they go to a processor so sure. then we started investing money and you know we i built a grinder that was you know it's like the had a big flywheel on it it was like a number 32 grinder mm-hmm. and i put a half horse uh electric motor on it and that thing would pretty much eat anything and we, we you built a ground grinder yeah like so we built an electric one right so it was like a manual one with a big flywheel on it yeah and then put a i got a electric motor out of off a of craigslist i think it was like 40 bucks came off of an old industrial uh furnace or something and oh jesus um but yeah it would it would rip through meat really fast but i think the whole setup probably cost me 70 bucks and uh wow. but, yeah we grinded a lot of meat with that thing and then uh yeah then we just we've been upgrading since then so you know i got the carnivore uh the cabela's one and a half horse you know it weighs like 150 pounds it's huge Oh geez, yeah, one of the so, biggies. I I still have yeah. like the little uh, uh, whatever, like the the entry level. It says heavy duty, but it's not. You know, I think it's still with the plastic gears in it. Oh but, yeah, um, it's that Cabela's one. It's like, yeah, it's it's yep. the 
like I don't know what it is, but it's 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 a Cabell's one, but it's it's like the um like the plastic cover and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, those are really nice like, for yeah. If you're not gonna do like a ton of meat uh, all at once, like yeah. those are nice to have because I have like the little KitchenAid one mm-hmm. that um I, I think I got it on Amazon for like twenty bucks. And like, man, I'm not gonna whip out my big one and a half horse to grind up a pound or two, you know. But yeah. I'll pull the KitchenAid out and run uh, a pound of uh, meat through that thing. So is I think that the each, attachment each to has the, like place. a KitchenAid mixer is that was yeah. That the, how does that actually work? Is, is, is that is that actually good? I mean, does it work? Oh yeah, it works great. I've okay. had no problems with it. You know, you got to cut the meat up pretty small, um, because it's got a tiny little neck on it. You know, on my on yeah. my my big grinder you know you can throw like a shoulder in and it'll go right through it you know but this you gotta dice you gotta cut them up into like one inch chunks but and make sure it's kind of it's kind of frozen sure Um, but you know you do those two things but the kitchen needs got that thing powers through it like a boss so we'll see no kidding how long it it'll last doing that but yeah well i'll stay a stand mixers on my like wish list you know what i mean but (laughs) yeah (laughs) see my wife on one and uh, I'm like, oh, she doesn't really bake. I don't know why she wants one, but um, so so I got one, and then I got. I'm like, I know I'm going to use this thing more than she will. So I, <laughs> I got. You got, I got the attachment. The I got the meat attachment for myself. Nice, nice. So when you um, it, so so that first that first attempt, right? Like so after, let's say, you know, you got you got the stuff, and you, you built your grinder and all that stuff, and you're like, all right. Um, had you had a lot of experience like like taking apart? Like animals too, or did you just like always? Because I'm not because there's a difference between like like in the field taking apart, deboning that kind of stuff, um, yeah, you know, whole muscle groups, and then there's actually like you know processing into sausages and and you know final cuts and things like that. Like so, where were you in the in the kind of uh, uh, range of that as far as your comfort level with with like you know be- becoming a home processor? Yeah, so when, you know when we started out, all we really knew. Uh, was that you know backstraps are good, everything else is sausage, right? <laughs> so that's that's what we did, right? So we took, kept the backstraps and then we ground everything else up, and uh, and in that we did that for a couple years. I'm like, God, there just seems to, there's got to be you know these cuts look pretty good, you know. There's got to be more than to it than just turning into sausage. And I think really the turning point was when we uh, we'd always butterfly the back straps, right? Because that's how you got them from the butcher, right? So they're mm-hmm. they're sliced real thin, and then they turn into hockey pucks as soon as you try. I was to gonna say, up. yeah, yeah. And so we thought, like, well, well, what if we can, you know, once you started eating rare, you know, medium rare steak, like, why don't we do the same thing with our deer? And so we tried this, and like, oh my gosh, this is this is game changer right here, right? So like, yeah. we left them whole. And then seared them and treat it like a good prime, you know, premium steak. And uh, all right, there's more to this deer than just the back straps. Then you know they taste this good. Um, so then I started exploring into you know like all right, I go down this rabbit hole and you, uh, hunt down Hank Shaw. Mm-hmm. And I'm like a Hank Shaw disciple, right? Like man, I love everything that guy puts out. And uh, but you know dealing with shanks and shoulders and there's just so much more to that stuff and the flavors are much more developed than they than like just a plain backstrap is or a tenderloin and tenderloins and backstraps are great but they don't have like they have no flavor yeah they don't have all the flavor that uh that a shoulder or a shank does man 
Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I will I will walk by a pile of back straps to get to a shank. Yeah, and, <laughs> personally, and people, you know, like you know, people until you have them, you're like, you know, they they're all that connective tissue. But man, that stuff, it, you give it time and you let it you let it simmer, um, and it, it it turns into like that silky smooth, beautiful sauce, and oh, yep. it's so good. So you know, that's kind of how like we went down that rabbit hole of, you know, it's a, it was an evolution, right? So you start out grinding everything. And now, now the, I, you know, we got, had six deer in the freezer this year and I had probably 50 pounds of meat to grind at the end of the year. Um, you know, before it would have been, I don't know, 200 pounds. Of sure. Stuff to grind. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You're doing so much more with the other cuts now. Cause you know, you're, you're kind of, you know, treating them in other ways rather than, um, you know, uh, knuckle dragon caveman like yeah throw it in the grinder <laughs> right and uh yeah i think it's just gotten a bad rap you know like yeah this whole like the gamey term and um all that like the only thing to do with it is to grind grind it all and we've had buddies that grind their back straps like oh just it's just sacrilegious mm-hmm. terrible um but yeah I, I have a hard time grinding shanks and shoulders now so there's there's not much that hits that grind pile yeah, I mean, I will never shoot a, uh, you know, if, if I do shoot one with um, like a rifle or muzzle loader or whatever, I'm never aiming for the shoulder ever again. You know what I mean? Oh, um, yeah. If, if you get behind the last it. Few years, yeah, if these last few years I've been, you know, uh, you know, experimenting with all that and I'm like, oh, my God, where, you know, where have you been all my life kind of thing? So, um, yeah, w- w- if, if you blow through that, you know, and then you know what happens. I mean, not only you know, that gets bloodshot, but then like, um, you know, the, the, blo- the bone splinters go everywhere and it's, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, oh man, it's, it's just toast, right? That's um, why, uh, that's why archery is so much better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was, I just, I just wish I was more successful. <laughs> you know, I end up, I end up getting it. I didn't get anything last year, but I usually end up getting one, you know, a rifle or, or muzzle loader season or whatever, but I've been trying with this, you know, um, stick bow for last like four years or whatever. So, uh, yeah, you're, you know, get, you're, giving you're, yourself a, you're giving yourself a handicap with that stuff. I am, I yeah. am, but it's, but it's fun though, you know, cause, cause when I'm unsuccessful, at least I get to like, you know, stump shoot my way out, you know, <laughs> <laughs> at least I get to fling some arrows, you know, but, yeah. um, yeah, no. So, um, so, so what, what have you amassed as far as like, uh, I know we're kind of jumping around all over, but as far as like other equipment then, right. So you decided on the grinder and you're like, okay, this is working. Um, you know, have you, uh, you know, what's next? I mean, naturally I would think and for me, it was like a sausage stuffer, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've so, gone down that road. So we had, uh, we started with a five pound stuffer and, uh, and th- that worked, but, uh, now we're up to like the 10 pound, I think it's a 10 pound LEM, uh, the two speed. Okay. And yeah. And it, it's pl- like, cause I, I do everything in 10 pound batches, right? So this kind of worked out perfectly. So the, the 10 pound stuffer is like everything we needed. And it's, that is a beast too. I think super heavy and that, but having the two speeds is really nice on that. Um, Cause when you're, you're coming up, you just, you put the, the wrench on the, on the top crank and it, mm-hmm. it's like double speed going up. So. Uh, oh, so what? Yeah. After uh, to, to refill it, you mean? Yeah. Yep. To, to refill. Yeah. Yeah. I've just got the hand crank five, the five pounder from, from Cabela's, you know, Yep. Um, it works great. I love it. Plus you can like control, you know, like the, the cadence of it, you know what I mean? Instead of, um, uh, like the grinder attachment or whatever, where it's just like, you know, oh, yeah. like one speed, you know what I mean? But yeah, I'm so glad. Plus it's quieter. I'm so glad I got that thing. Yeah. I had the old fashioned, um, not a crank style, but it's like, uh, it's like a press. 
Um, you ever seen those stuffers? It's like what great grandma would use, right? It's just like a, uh, man, it's hard. It's like a, horn. well, th- this is like a vertical press, right? But it's, it's but it's hand crank. Yeah. So yeah, but, that's what but I I'm have. saying. I had, I had one before my first stuffer was like, the, the it was like a press, right? And it was not the crank style with gears. Oh. It was yeah, just yeah. on a, on a lever. And it was the hardest thing to get anything to come out of, and that was terrible. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, you don't have any kind of compound leverage there, or anything like that. Yeah, okay. yep, yeah, um, yeah. So that, yeah, the we went from that to the five pounder, and then now the ten pounder. And I think I'll stick with this one. If if I could get electric on it, if there's be a way to hook up the electric motor, that'd be pretty sweet. Um, <laughs> I could see, I could see it because I, I I don't always get a lot of help when I'm doing stuff at home so uh, mm-hmm. it'd be nice to have be able to go no hands um and just use that foot pedal so the stuffer has been clutch um what else as far as cooking wise i've really enjoyed the sous vide um i had a i just bought a sous vide this year but i had been doing sous vide for several years like maybe a decade and i had this uh i took this thermal regulator and it's like you plug your crock pot into the thermal regulator and the thermal regulator goes into the wall. Mm-hmm. And then you put the temperature probe in the crock pot with water and then you throw your vacuum sealed meat in the crock pot. And then the, the thermal regulator would turn the crock pot on and off uh, to get into that, that temperature range that you set. And so it was basically uh, a sous vide without the circulation. So I'm like, eh, it worked got pretty it. good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So for those who don't know, explain what sous vide is. Okay, so sous vide is uh, uh, cooking under um, vacuum, right? So you vacuum seal your whatever you're going to cook, and then a sous vide is it's a usually like a it looks like a tubular device, and it it goes in a like a stock pot uh, or a tub of water, and then it heats up the water and circulates it to a, a set degree. And then you put your vacuum sealed meat in there, and that'll get it up to that. Uh, let's say you're you set it to be 130 degrees, it'll get the water up to 130 degrees, and and the meat is in that vacuum sealed package, and it gets to the same temperature, but it doesn't go over, right? So you can you can sous vide something for a long time at a at a lower temperature, and it has different effects on the meat than it would be just like cooking in the oven or cooking it on the stove. Right, so like you can cook a uh, you can cook a shoulder for a long time at like 140 degrees, and it will be it'll be um, it'll still have that red uh, that redness to it, like it's uh, a bit like medium medium rare, mm-hmm. and but it will be fall apart tender off of a piece of shoulder meat, right? So right. that's the great thing about CV. And so like I've done. Um, like a, a brine, a deer shoulder, and then for like three days, and then vacuum seal it, and then I sous vide it for, I think it was like 150 degrees for 24 hours. And it is just like fall apart tender. You come and pulls it out of the bag. I, I throw like a, either some bacon grease in there or some butter just to give it a little fat. Yeah. And, uh, but man, you take that and then um, just shred it. And then put it in a pan and like just put it under the broiler for a, a couple minutes just to give it some char and uh, hit it with a little like South Carolina barbecue sauce. Put that on a bun and oh, that's man. good stuff. 
Yeah, it, yeah, that's <laughs> it's like it's all, it's got like a hammy flavor to it uh, after it hits that brine. And, um, yeah, so the sous vide has been in it, and it's super easy with um, you know, anyone can do it. Like I have my daughter, um, I showed her how to how to use it. So you know, she cooked a a perfect you know medium rare steak just doing the sear thing, right? So you take it out of the sous vide, um, and then I do the mayo sear, and I don't know if you've done that before. No, uh, I've, I've had, um, I don't know if you listen to the Huntivore podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, awesome. so I had, I had Nick on, um, and, uh, he, he turned me on to that and I have yet to try it. He's a big fan of that mayo, uh, yeah. the searing with the mayo and, and I'm a big fan of mayo and I'm surprised I haven't tried it yet. So, <laughs> well, and the thing is like, and there's, I know there's guys that are like, ew, mayo on my, no, it, but it doesn't taste like mayo, right? Because mm-hmm. When you put like an egg wash on your like a beef Wellington or something like that, that crust, yeah. like yeah. that egg has that that crusting, uh, it gives it that that nice crust on it, uh, and so the egg does the same thing on the meat. That's the egg that's in the mayo. So, uh, and then the rest of the mayo is is basically oil, right? So it it makes the best crust on a on a on a backstrap or anything really. And so I, so I you're you're doing that right before you sear it, then, right? Right. Yep. So yep. I'll take it out of the bag and I'll dry it off, and then I'll I'll wipe it down with just a thin layer of mayo, and then I'll season it again, and then I uh, hit it in the in the cast iron, and I'll I'll do a, like a dry cast iron if I'm using the mayo method. Yep. Um. Otherwise, if I'm not going to use the mayo, then I'll use like grapeseed oil or something like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and, and you also said right there too. You said you'll season it again. Um, so going back to Hank Shaw, I think one one of the things that like like popped out because I, I when he he doesn't have a podcast anymore. He used to. Yeah. Um, he but, but I've heard him on a bunch of stuff, and he said you know like like one of the quote unquote you know secrets you know or whatever that um uh like, like a professional chef will do is a they use a lot of butter right on your steaks and things like that <laughs> right. I mean a lot of butter. Uh, before and after, you know, they'll, they'll put a little pat of butter on top, let that melt down as it's, you know, um, resting or whatever. But he said, you know, most will season before, during and after, you know what I mean? And, and depending on what the seasoning is, what, yeah. um, you know, and, and I'm guilty of just like putting it all on because there's a risk of like burning you know, like certain um uh, if you just put it on before, you know what I mean, and you slap it in the pan or whatever, they're like, well, you could burn off the uh, the seasonings and the spices and it turns bitter. I've never really had that happen. Yeah, but um if you're using herbs and stuff, you know, yeah, I think but, salt can stand up to that heat. But like, yeah, if you're using herbs and stuff, then they'll have a tendency to burn or like coffee, you know, the like coffee rub. Yes. Like those yeah. just get kind of bitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. You kind of want to hit those at the end. But um, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm a big fan of like seasoning before and then seasoning after. Um, I, I just feel like when you even in the fridge, like if I'm thawing out some meat, I'll season it then. Mm-hmm. Even just salt, and then let that salt absorb, and I feel like it gives it a deeper flavor that way. Plus, it—I uh, I don't know if I'm completely talking on my ass or not, but um, <laughs> would it would it like accelerate kind of like uh, like a quick quick aging, you know, because it's pulling moisture out of that uh, out of that meat, right? I mean, with the salt on it, and you know, aging is kind of the same deal. You know, you're letting it, you're letting the moisture come out and everything kind of tenderize a little bit. You don't have the tenderization part, but you are, you know, pulling away some of that moisture out of there, I think, where, especially uh, like near the surface, but then it allows you to, you know, when you put it on the heat, it's going to give you a sear quicker instead of, 
you know, it's going to turn, it's going to do that, that, that Maillard char, you know, instead of yep. just like gray, you know, it's like, it's drying out that surface a little bit. You, yeah. We like age it in the fridge. And that, that's the other important thing is like having a, having it dry before it hits the, the pan. Yeah. Uh, is really important unless, unless that, you know, you're just putting a little coating of oil on there, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know all the, all the science between salt and I just know it tastes good. So I, I've tried it. I've tried it multiple ways, and um, I'm I'm a fan of like salting before and having it like the day before, just a little bit in there. And I've seen that that turns out the best results. Yeah, I I haven't salted the day before. I'm gonna have to try that, and I'm definitely gonna have. This is like the third time I'm reminding myself because um, because <laughs> I, I, I was on he was on my podcast and I was on his. And we talked about the mayo thing both times, and then I still haven't done it. So that's, yeah, that, it's gonna that, be that, like a mental sticky note. I gotta, I gotta do that next time. I, I got steaks in the fridge right now that, that can, that can, uh, you know, cook this week. So that is like the foolproof method to cook, get a good sear on a steak is the the mayo thing, man. And it, and you don't end up with like splattering oil and stuff like that, and not you using too little or too much oil. It's just, it just seems perfect. Just, um, just seems just enough to code it. Yeah, perfect, yeah. awesome. So, um, okay, uh, we we totally pretty heavy into like the cooking stuff there. I'm sure we're gonna circle back to that. But, um, so you do you, do you hunt mostly just like around here? Like we're not gonna I mean, we don't have to name names, but you know. Yeah, I for for you and for me, like literally, like ten. I would say for me here and maybe not too far away for you. I literally have like six or seven different WMAs like 20 minutes from my doorstep, right? Yep. Um, and, or wildlife management areas, and you're you're pretty damn close to all of those ones too. Some are up kind of a little closer to me, toward you know, uh, if anybody's listening, like near Shakopee or whatever too. Yep. And then you're down like in in, in the uh, the river bottom area where there's there's like a succession of like uh, WMAs. Um, so you're close to home. Yeah, right? we're like um, five minutes from home to get hunting. It's kind of nice. Right. So do you take, I mean, is it any problem for you to, to, to get meat out of there? Like, what's your, like, what's your, I guess, uh, okay, deer down. Here's my, here's my getting this meat out of here plan. Like, what, what do you, what do you go so, there with? Um, not to, assuming, like, assuming you hunt all public. I'm sorry. I should have even asked you. you yeah, know? I, I mean, do. It, I, yeah. I, we have a little bit of private that we hunt up North. Um, yeah. but that's just, I hunt that with my daughter. Yeah. Um, so the majority of hunting that I do is I do the city park hunts. Um, so there, there's a group that does uh, that the city parks kind of leverage for uh, doing all those hunts, and it, it, yeah. it's been pretty awesome. So um, that's one of my my go tos. Is in I think most metro areas have something similar, right? And there's a lot of like little city park hunts that people can apply for and get. They were all closed this past season. Um, because oh, they had so many people there was like yeah, an influx yep. of like new hunters and archery and all that stuff i tried because because i traveled for work for like for 20 years right and then i finally got a job like literally like nine minutes from my doorstep and i'm like sweet i'm gonna be home i'm gonna be home <laughs> and i'm gonna apply because i was never able to apply for these things because i'd always be gone and i'm like cool and then so last year um i went we were looking on the website and they weren't and they're no longer taking applications because you got to do like a shooting test and all that stuff um because of of such uh, high demand i'm like yep. son of a bitch <laughs> yeah so i've i've been a part of that for maybe eight seven seven eight years something like nice that. um so it's always been a good group and then um you know, ernie uh, you, i don't know if you ever had an ernie power on the 
podcast, but he and I, are I have not. No. Yeah. I've spoken to him a bunch of times though. He, he lives while well, he's moving now, but he lives down the street. Yep. Um, like literally on the street from, um, uh, some of our uh, really close friends. Yep. So we're all pretty close to, to each other, but yeah, yeah, he and I, he and I hunted one of those hunts before, uh, together. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but in terms of like the other public, um, you know, most of the, I, I go in by boat. Uh, most of the times that I hunt that stuff. So you're the guy. <laughs> <laughs> do you know how heartbreaking it is to like literally hike in like a mile and a half one oh yeah and you get to you know far off point spot and you hear like a burr <laughs> well, my you wave down I, we uh I've, so i got two boats i have one i have a, a small 12 footer with a 99 uh mercury that i converted to propane so it doesn't get me all uh smell like gas yeah and then um and then we, I have a new canoe. And so my daughter and I took the new canoe in on youth opener one, uh, a couple of years ago. And we, uh, we came in the, the, this back way and we we're probably up in a tree for 30 minutes and then, um, three deer come by and, uh, and she, so she kills one of them. And, uh, and then man, there's nothing cooler than being in a tree in a saddle with your daughter. Like we're both sitting in a tree saddles. And uh, she turns around, pops a deer, and then she drags out herself, puts nice. it in the canoe, and paddles it out. Like, like talk about a proud dad moment. And like, how just, old's your daughter? Uh, she was thirteen at the time. Okay, uh, she's fifteen now. Yeah, but uh, man, that was cool. And so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely there's deer in there, and um, you just gotta hunt it right, you know. And so we've and on that, I think a same hunt. Uh, kid from our church came walking by, and uh, it came, so he came in from the long way, and he walked all yeah. the way up there, and he saw, and we didn't know it was him at the time, but um, yeah, so I mean, you get a little company out there, yeah, um, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's deer to be had anywhere, and uh, but we're pretty successful out there. Um, yeah, that's but, um, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like I've not. I think the water access is probably the biggest thing, right? So cause there's only so many ways that you can access that stuff by foot. So um, we've, you know, we've come in along the river and you pop up the 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 bank and mm-hmm. there's like 140 standing there. Like didn't did not expect anyone to come up from that bank and he's like 20 yards off the bank. And we're yeah, like, yeah. Some some of that stuff. Um gets really really tight and tangly which is like perfect like you know like buck habitat right oh yeah um and, and i think i know where you're you know where you're talking about it you know not exactly exactly but um yeah on, on the on the one where you know you, you can take take the boat in kind of or you know kind of walk up the beach a little bit steep kind of kind of cliffish right but then like right above that um you know i've 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 tried to go through there and depends when you go through there when it's late season you can kind of go through there but there's not enough cover and they're not really there but like early to mid season it is just a like a like a tangled mess and it's like bushwhacking and i get yeah you're right (laughs) trying to get to there from the normal access you're you know good luck or you need to be there like super super early or super lucky yeah um if you're coming in the back way, let's say you're saving yourself, first of all, a long walk. You're literally just going in and like up the hill, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I've always wondered how successful, you know, those guys were that came in, 
uh, came in via boat because I've never seen a boat like actually like like beached there. You know what I mean? And oh, yeah. you know, where clearly someone has kind of like beached there and then like gone, you know, gone up and gone in in these areas. But I, I certainly see, you know, people going up and down the river um, and yeah, I, I'm like, man, that's you know, if I could, I probably would. <laughs> yeah, I see. I've seen a, I had one buck that I shot out there. And I shot him, and I was probably like 150 yards from the bank. And uh, I shot him, and he ran towards the bank. And he died about 30 yards from the edge of the bank, and my boat was straight down. So probably nice. the shortest drag I'd ever had. It was like 30 <laughs> yards, and I threw him over the bank into the boat. And it was Oh, crazy. my goodness. Um, and then I got passed by another guy who had shot a buck on the other side of the river. Um, and, uh, and he had like the fish and wildlife service doing, basically doing a deer drive for him. Cause they, they did all kind they're like tearing everything up with bulldozers and stuff. He said yeah. deer were just flooding out of there and it, it was, was just, he just had to wait for one to stop. Right. It was crazy. Oh Jesus. So, yeah. There's and, and, uh, but now like a lot of stuff is like archery only. So it was, yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Um, but not to give away the spot, but it's pretty, probably pretty easy to figure out. <laughs> but it, but I, I don't know if it's the exact same story I was talking about, but I mean, it used to not be, it used to be able to shoot muzzleloader there and then they changed it this yep. year. Um, and it's archery only now. And I'm like, Oh, okay, sure. You know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yep. So that's, uh, yeah, it's probably a good change. Um, it's pretty crazy out there. <laughs> yeah. I try not to go out there. I mean, muzzleloader, I've gone out there for muzzleloader seasons in, in the past, but I've never, I've never been out there for uh, a firearm. I tend to, you know, go up north to a buddy's property for like, you know, a day or two or whatever for, for firearm. And the rest of the time I'm pretty much like bow hiking around like, you know, the entire season. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, so, so, so you got the boat access working for or the boat. Yeah. Access working for you. Um, not really a problem, I guess, with, you know, trying to get, trying to get anything out. Do you do any, um, do you just, do you just kind of drag the whole thing whole or do you, do you do any, uh, boning out or quartering yeah. and packing out or what? No, I, I just leave them whole. It's a pretty short, short trip, uh, to get out. Um, either, either way, you know, I, I don't, it's not like, uh, when I come in by boat, I don't have very far to walk. Yeah. Um, you know, if I go a quarter mile, that's probably the most. And then, uh, it's also a short trip back to the landing too. So I've, yeah. I've never had the need to quarter one out yet, but I would, I would not be opposed to doing it. So when I was out in North Dakota, there was areas are probably like eh, i might have to quarter one out here but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah i talked to uh, i called the dnr actually about the um you know legalities of that right i'm like okay so what if you know i, I need to you know get one out so i'm not dragging one out like a mile and a half right so the answer they gave me is as long as it's registered you can quarter it out bone it out whatever but you still have to get the whole carcass out so if it takes you two trips <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> You know, and they're like, Which oh, because of CWD, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. And deer I still die out understand. there all the time. What's that? Deer die yeah, out there exactly. from natural causes all the time. Of course. That's the craziest thing. Of course. Thing. And here's what I don't understand is, um, you know, on, on some of these, you know, well, actually, pretty much all the areas, probably you and I hunt. Now, it's still in the, uh, the was it, the, is it, some of it's mandatory, some of it's voluntary, depending on the time of the year, uh, CWD testing now, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. And uh, I don't know if you ever go out to the one. This is no secret, by the way, the, 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 out to one by Valley Fair over there. Um, they had a giant dumpster there for the last two years for um, dumping. If you wanted, if you were, you know, shot one and, and didn't want it and it was iffy, you know, stuck really? to high heaven. You know what I mean? They had like the whole carcass. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. Really? I mean, they had a giant, like, what, 30, what is it, 30-yard dumpster out there um, with a cover on it and stuff. But the wind's blowing the wrong way into the parking oh. lot. Oh, boy. Good Lord. <laughs> you know, it's – and uh, they've got, a, you know, they've got, like, a little uh, a gambrel up there. And then they've got a uh, 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 little head testing area. You can cut the head off and yep. tag it and put it into, like, another thing and get your, you know, deer tested. It's, it's, it's mostly for – uh, the mandatory part, I think, is is during the um, rifle season because that's when you know, most of them are shot or whatever. Not not there because it's archery, it's archery only, but um, yeah, whatever. So um, I don't know where I was going with that one. Oh, the CWD thing. So I'm, so my question to, to to anybody really is like, if we're trying to not move carcasses right for for deer from where they're shot, why can't we leave the carcass there and just take them? You know what I mean? Right. That, that seems like the, it may make the most sense. I, I don't yeah. understand that because now you're dragging that thing, um, either actually dragging it on the ground and whatever, or you're you're moving that carcass and that carcass gets dumped to a new piece of soil somewhere. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, if, I, I just, I don't understand it. Yeah. If you're, it, you know, if what they're saying is, is true about the prions and stuff like that, that, yeah. you know, it's in the soil. And so anywhere that deer, you drag that carcass, then, you know, there's potentially you're just dragging a big CWD trail. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, it doesn't make any sense that we can't leave the carcass out there because coyotes kill deer and they leave carcasses mm-hmm. out there. Um, yep. it, it's yeah, some of the rules in the state are bizarre, but, yeah, I'm sure that's every state has bizarre rules. But um. yeah, I'm, I'm hoping some of that's going to I don't know if it's going to change or not, because um, I mean, is Wisconsin still like that? Because, I mean, for like last what, last four or five years, they've been on a let's kill them all spree. Right. Yeah. It seems like they're, they're trying to knock down numbers overall. That has not worked. Um, all the data that's that's come in and, you know, and nothing like personal opinion here either. Like just I think from everything I read that actual raw data say that that's not working. You know, that 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 kill them all scorched earth policy is not working out there. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they're going to try and see that you know and and, and kind of change some of these kind of knee-jerk reaction rules i don't know yeah i think it you know cwd is just it's like it's like covid it's just one of those things we're gonna have to live with you know and yeah. uh it's so i don't know i think they've they've gone overboard with like the scorch earth approach and especially yeah. like in the southeast man like we used to hunt down there before apr and and then after apr and once they had the antler point restriction in, it was just awesome. Like you go through camp and everyone had big bucks and yeah. no one felt bad about, you know, I brought my dad down there and uh, he, never, you know, he's not the type to ever pass on anything. Right. And a uh, little forky came by and he's like, you know, it ain't so bad passing on a little forky when you know the guy next to you can't shoot it either. Like, mm. yes. So I'm like it, the APR thing was great. And, uh, you know, kids got a pass. Kids could shoot whatever they want. So, yeah, I don't know. But now they got rid of Now there's extra to... seasons to kill them all down there, you know? Yep, and multiple yeah. bucks and stuff like that. So it's going to yeah. be tough. Have um, you ever had one tested? I've had, yeah, like our management hunts that we do, we have to have them tested. So uh, I've never had a positive yet. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's not. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when you do? That's a great question. I've thought I've I've thought about it. Um, the fact that you know I feed my family with this stuff, it mm-hmm. like weighs a little heavy on me, and uh, yep. so I may, you know, I I may have to ditch that meat as much as it would pain me. But like, I, you know, would I eat it myself? I think yeah, I would. Right. Um, 
not, I'm not that concerned about it. But if there if there's a, like a remote chance that there's something could happen to my kids from it, then I'm not going to do it. Yeah, a hundred percent. Same way, on board, same way, right? Like I probably might be like, okay, well, uh, just, the meat. Yeah, okay, right. For me, fine. But now my wife's not much into venison. She doesn't really like venison. She likes other other wild game, right? But um, she's not a venison fan. But my daughter, she's nine, right? She eats she eats that stuff. We make sausage and stuff and jerky and all that stuff together out of it, right? So she, so she you know, whatever burgers. So just like exactly like you said, like for me, if it was me, I might take the risk. Like okay, I know what I'm doing. Um, it's you know I'm, I know what I'm doing as far as like my risk you know I'm but feeding it to someone else eh, I, I, that's that's not going to happen yeah you there, know? there's certain I'd be bars very, I'd be very like, conflicted yeah, there's certain things you'd be like you're 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 cool with doing yourself you know like ride them but you never let your kid do it right you know um so yeah it it uh, until that day comes I you know I I would have a hard time feeding my kids CWD deer <laughs> but. Yeah, um, I, I really wish yeah. there was more, um, uh, more, I guess it's going to, everything comes down to money. Right. But I wish there was more money, more something dedicated to, to research this. Cause this is a gigantic problem, um, yeah, it is. that, that really, really hasn't impacted hunters just yet. Um, but it will, <laughs> it's coming, you know, just like we all knew, you know, not to get political, like inflation was coming. You know, if you, you know, had a firing synapse in your brain, you could see where this is leading and same, same with CWD because it's going to, um, it's, it's going to affect like dollars overall. Right. So people are like, well, uh, if they're not sure about it and if like, let's say like half the deer, you know, are infected or whatever, let's say it gets that bad, then people aren't going to want to go hunt. And if they're not going to want to go hunt, you know, this stuff, then, you know, where's the money going to come from? Where's the conservation dollars going to come from? Um, well, and, yeah. you know, and how we handle that depends on, you know, do we, do we go back to the sixties and seventies deer herd, you know, where if you saw a deer, it was a big deal. You know, we're kind mm-hmm. of in the glory days of deer hunting now where, you know, yeah. we're, we're shooting five deer a year and, uh, and not really thinking well, twice about it. You're shooting five deer a year. <laughs> I'm watching others shoot five deer a year. You can. You're able to shoot five deer a year, right? So much thought about it. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you know, you look at the northern deer herd, and that's always been it's been rough in a few last few years. Yeah. You know, but but who's to say that like a knockdown minimalist deer herd, like a 1960s kind of levels deer herd, that the the levels of um, CWD and them are, aren't, aren't also prolific, you know, who's to say that it's going to be a clean herd, you know? Oh, did I lose you? But yeah, if, if, oh, there we go. Yeah. You must have lost me for a little bit. Yeah. So I was saying like, are we there? Who, who's to say, yeah. I'm, can you hear me? Yep. I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. I was, well, I was saying, who's to say if we get knocked down to like a 1960s era, deer herd that that deer herd would be a you know quote-unquote clean herd who know you know who's to say that That's those true. minimal deer also wouldn't all have cwd now you have hardly any deer and they all have cwd <laughs> you they, know maybe cwd resistant right? yeah yeah so, <laughs> yeah Omicron, Omicron, Omicron version of cwd or something <laughs> you know <laughs> that'd be terrible if they had a strain of deer that was just inedible like oh geez maybe we can blame this on china i don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh, <hand box. laughs> yeah, yeah that's right. 
so yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to do about that. I was actually, God, it was about a year, a couple of years ago at this point, I was going to have, I don't know if, he, I don't know if it's still him or not. So I won't say his name or whatever, but he was the, uh, the kind of the, the lead in Minnesota, um, for CWD research. He was kind of like heading up that whole, uh, department, uh, testing and, and, and whatnot. And I was never able to get him on the podcast. We never kind of, um, could, could find time to do it. So maybe, maybe that's, um, maybe that's worth you know, trying to, maybe I should do that, trying to investigate that and, and get yeah. whoever, whoever it is, uh, on here. And just, I, I would love to have like a, an actual, like biologist's opinion, you know, on it, uh, that, I don't know, pers- perspective maybe that, uh, we don't normally get, you know? Yeah. It'd be great to get like two biologists that have different, uh, point of views on this to, and, and have a debate on there. Yeah. Uh, to see like let's let's just i just want to hear all sides of the story right i just want to hear one right so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's i don't know it, it's it's just like the covid thing people are going to pick a side on it and yeah i don't know i'd rather just go hunting and not worry about it yeah i'd rather <laughs> know the actual facts and then you know make make an informed decision for myself you know yep. so um yeah i don't know maybe i'll reach out to those those people again and, and be like hey you know who's 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 in charge? Who can I talk to and get some, you know, actual like a data? Because 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 I know um, in the world of testing as well, uh, it's kind of come along. Uh, I don't know, if, but I don't know if it's gotten any more accurate. I know it's it's become more available um, and and easier, you know, to submit samples and stuff like that. But again, I've never done it. Well, so and I, I heard they're gonna have kits available where you can test in the field. So, that's what uh, Nick from uh, Nick Otto said from Hunterbore. Hey, we were oh, talking he about that. He, he yeah, said the same thing. It. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, and then of course, you know, the whole, let's just say you bring something home and you're not sure. And now your knives and cutting boards and all that stuff have touched it. You know, how, how big an issue is that? What do you have to do with it? You know, do you have to, you know, throw it away and nuke it? I don't know. Um, it'd be good to know that kind of stuff because this yeah. is, this is a big deal. And it's going to get bigger and bigger. I, I didn't want to spend like 20 minutes on this, but, you know, here we are. But, you know, it's, it's going to get bigger and bigger. And I, it, we, we got to address it as, as you know, sportsmen at, at the, you know, at least at that level uh, at, at a bare minimum, you know. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, I, I was at a I was at a walleye seminar with with Bay Winkleman and he talked for an hour and a half, hour and a half on Lyme disease. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> like I thought we were going to talk about walleyes, but sure. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, everywhere. I'm talking about I mean, it's Babe Winkleman up there. What am I gonna say, you know? But yeah, um, the monster wild eyes, and yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So let's let's move on to. Uh, so so you're like um like I'm guessing I'm, I'm guessing like almost all uh, uh, bow hunter, but I do see you with with a rifle uh, every now and yep. then, right? That's in, in in your pictures and stuff. So, is it something you just kind of go out and do like a like a weekend or two during, during rifle season, and then just pick the bow back up? Or yeah, pretty much. Like so, once November yeah. hits, I'm pretty much hunting with my daughter, and yep. that's that's guns, right? So, um, she hasn't picked up the bow quite. She has a bow, but she hasn't quite gotten the bow hunting thing. Uh, I think it's a lack of dedication to shooting bows, but um, <laughs> but we like we'll go out, you know. From gun opener through muzzleloader season, I'm basically trying to get her on deer. And um, we, you know, we hunt from a, like, I'll hunt from the saddle and I'll have her in a tree stand uh, most okay. of the time. Uh, her first one she did shoot from the saddle. Because uh, if we're going to come in through public land, then that's how we're going to do it. 
Sure. Uh, but yeah. if we got a chance to do a preset and stuff, then we'll we'll bring uh, the Millennium with, and she'll sit in that. It's kind of nice because you can sit behind her and, and coach her through it and stuff like that, and she'll be on her phone, and I just like take the gun off the off the hook and hand it to her. I'm like, there's a deer, right? <laughs> go, go shoot it. Um, <laughs> this last we muzzle loader season, um, it was we were hunting private land here, and then. Uh, there was a whole string of does coming in and it was, they came into the right. And so it was a hard shot for her to like get turned around in her. And she had the, like the full heater body suit on and stuff. Mm. And so she didn't have a lot of mobility, but to get turned to make that right, that shot to the right, that weak side yeah. shot. Yeah. And uh, so she just takes the gun and hands it behind her. She's like, just kill him, dad. So <laughs> that was my, my muzzleloader kill there uh, this last late season. So I shot a doe there. and um, But it was super fun, like, even though – and she like, see her so excited. She's just like, yes! And uh, it kind of puts the thrill back into hunting with a gun versus, like, when I'm hunting with a gun by myself and I shoot one, it's kind of anticlimactic. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just not the same as a bow, right? And no, I mean, I still like doing it. You know, I'm like, okay, sweet. You know, I got I got meat to work with now. You know yep. what I mean? But um, yeah, it's it's still not the same same level of. Um, uh, it, it's almost an expected outcome. You know what I mean? Like, uh, not not that like every time you go out you're gonna kill one. I'm saying, but it's it, if if something is in sight in range, right? It's expected yep. that you will it, it will go down rather than all the, the other things button. that can go down right yeah yeah all the other things that can go wrong with with a bow so um yeah so you're so you're are you um i know you're friends with ernie and the tether guys are you are you part of like like that uh uh you know field staff or anything like that with no, them or you I'm, just you just kind of you know funny thing is like ernie so i had i had met ernie on the saddle hunter forum and uh you know before tether got started and, uh, and I, so I was, I was just looking for guys that hunted out of, cause I had a Guido's web at the time and I was mm-hmm. looking for guys that had hunted out of saddles in Minnesota. And, uh, they're like, Hey, check with Ernie. He lives in Minnesota. And so I reached out to Ernie. I'm like, where do you live? And he's like, I'm Jordan. I'm like, dude, I live in Jordan. <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, where are you at? I'm like, we live two blocks away from each other. Oh no. And kidding. I'm like, all right, I'm coming over. So then, and <laughs> so then we've been friends since. So, yeah. <laughs> But no, I'm just, I'm not, I'm, you know, I, I kill deer, but I don't kill big deer. <laughs> so I'm not pro staff or anything like that. I just help them out with, you know, I'll go to help them out at shows and stuff. And I'm a big tethered fan, you know, regardless. Yeah. Um, so uh, I just like love all those guys. They're doing it for the right reason. And, you know, they're not out to, you know, they're, they're just out to get people into saddle hunting, right? Like that was the goal. And it's always been their goal. So I like their mission and um, they're just like a fun group of guys to hang out with and stuff. So yeah, I'll, I'll support tethered and uh, you know, I, I make no bones about it, but any, you know, I, everyone kind of makes good saddles now, right They're You know, it's not like, you know, five years ago when you didn't have anything out there, you know, if you had a trophy line, man, you're doing good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, that, so that's that's my status there. <laughs> I'm just friends with them. 
Yeah, no, yeah, because I, I, I just see you guys uh, on, on the same kind of pictures or whatever all the time. Yeah, Ernie, I, I've I've met him a few times. Um, you know, you can you can definitely hear him. You know, like you could be in the oh middle of like like a stadium in a football game, and you you could pick him out, right? Because he's so goddamn loud. Oh yeah, we're, we're at Saddlepalooza. <laughs> there is no inside voice with him. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's it's a little man syndrome, right? You can hear him forever, right? Like he's got he's got to make up for it some way. But yeah, we're at Saddlepalooza. And we're like, I could hear him from a half a mile away. He's like down at the campfires, telling stories and stuff. Yeah. Like you could, you like talk about a nice dude though. He's just the best. Um, but yeah, he's super fun to hang out with and loud and uh, he's a character. You know, he's like a he's like a walking cartoon. Yeah, he seems <laughs> he seems like a good guy. I've met him a few times just you know here locally or at the archery shop or whatever. But um, yeah. So, um, but, but they're moving, right? They're moving, they're yep. moving to Tennessee or something like that. Yep, or? They're heading down to Tennessee. So yep. they got a super size shop down there and I think it's central for kind of all the guys that are involved with tethered. Yeah. Um, so it'll be a good move. And uh, like, you know, they're close to, you know, they're, you can hunt all the neighboring States within like four hours, you know? So that's another yeah. big motivator, yep. right? So you've yep. got, you've got good hunting all around and, um, doesn't get as cold. So. that's true that's true yeah so so you you were an early adopter of, of the saddle thing when it wasn't cool to be a saddle hunter like way back when you said so what, yeah. what kind of drew you to that i mean what where did you first see you know so, a guy I, hanging out in the, out of a tree going hmm that's interesting well i was looking for i was looking for a tree stand and i was and i was at the archery shop and i was in just waiting in line and uh talking to the dude in front of me and I'm like, yeah, I'm looking to get like a climber or something like that. He's like, dude, don't do that. Just get a Guido's web. And I don't, I don't even know who this guy is to this day. I'm like Guido's web, really? And uh, so I went home and I looked it up, and it was like a horrible website. And it was like 350 bucks. I'm like, gosh. I'm like, but it, you know, it didn't really make sense, but it kind of made sense. I'm like, well, I'll take a gamble. All right. So I got it, and then uh, every thought, everyone thought I was crazy. Like, this is stupid, right? And um you know you're got all these straps and stuff and yeah. um you know that there's no you're gonna fall out of that thing you, you it's like you hear all the same stuff you know and but um you know i shot deer the first year i had it and I, like i got the concept you know and like man this is kind of sweet like i wish it was a little bit lighter and not as cumbersome and stuff and then i found like the saddle hunter forum and i'm like oh there, this is a thing i didn't realize this was a thing and, uh, and so then, then you, then you get down that rabbit hole, of, you know, like sit drags and all this other stuff. And so then I got a trophy line after that. And then I got a Kestrel and then, um, what else there was a man, then the tether came out with their manis and I've had, I've had up dozens of them. Right. So, yeah. Cause you just got to try them all, you know, once you get one. So, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it all started with the Guido's what, um, and then, uh, it, it, the thing was like my cousin and I, we, we hunted out together all the time and we were down at his father-in-law's property and he had a big ladder stand that he had set up and it was opening a gun season. I'm in my Guido's web on another part and, uh, and chainsaws start up behind my cousin. I'm like, Oh, oh geez. he's going to be and, like, he's a little hot tempered, right. To begin with. <laughs> I'm like, this dude's going to be so pumped and I'm just waiting for him to like, I'm waiting for that big orange blob to get out of the tree and just start lighting someone up. And, um, yeah, yeah. He comes over and he's like, he was just steaming mad. 
And uh, I'm like, all right, let's go hunt the public land. Right? You can sit in my Guido's web. I ain't sitting in that thing. I'm like, no, it's either that or you sit on the ground. I'll let you sit in the Guido's web. Fine, right? So he gets up into it, and he sends me a text like 15 minutes later. It's like, dude, give me this guy's number. I'm buying one. <laughs> <laughs> so every it's like that with everyone that I like you introduced to a saddle. It's like there's like they they know it can't be comfortable. Like you can't shoot out of the thing. You're gonna fall out of it. All these things, you know. And then once you sit in, like, oh, this is actually pretty comfortable. Yeah. This ain't bad. Oh, I can make all these shots, you know. Um. So it 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 like yeah. To use an overused term, like it's a game changer, right? Like sure. I wouldn't hunt where I hunt. If I had to lug in a tree stand, I wouldn't hunt as much as I hunt if I had to trig in a tree stand, right? So the fact that I can, everything I have fits in my backpack and I can throw it in a canoe, I can throw it in a, you know, in the back of the truck, wherever, and I'm hunting in minutes, right? So, um, it, or I can, or I cannot hunt, you know, I can get down from one tree and hop it up in another tree and I'm not invested in one tree or a set of trees throughout the year. So, that's like yeah that's yeah that's that's a big one yeah, yeah. and the yeah, fact you that can, I hate... you can you can make uh, quick changes um depending on just you know a there's no action or b the wind or whatever and you don't feel like you've invested all this time with the setup of a stand and all that right yep and uh and it's safer right so yeah like i i i hate i hate being even in a ladder stand right like we uh like setting those things up is dangerous. Oh. <laughs> we had a buddy of ours. He he was um he never did the ropes around the back of the tree, mm-hmm. and so he was up on top of his ladder stand and he took the the ratchet strap off, oh. and he's and he had his shotgun and everything up there, right? And the thing just started like you know instantly toppling back over, and then there was all these little beaver saplings like that, that they had cut down. And so the dude basically landed in the middle of like all these spears, like and oh. magically did not get skewered. Oh my and god! I'm like oh my gosh! Like, I mean, for one, there was multiple things he did wrong, but you know, there's got to be a safer way, right? There's like, never been a ladder stand that I've ever been in, you know, like if it's on like you know people's property or whatever, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, we got to stand here, stand there, that wasn't um, uh, like twisted or kind of uh, first of all like the, the ratchet straps if they're out there for more than i don't know a day they look like they've been out there for like five years right they're oh all you have no idea yeah. and, you know what i mean and like there's they're, they're so like dry rotted probably like if, if you poke it under tension the right way you just you think it's just gonna explode right um <laughs> and they never it almost seems like um like they're never uh level you know what i mean you know they're always kind of like kind of like like twisted or creaking around one way and then you're like okay you know <laughs> Yeah, they're like, like it's an investment just to get one set up. Yes. And and we thought we were like super mobile when we put wheelchair wheels on them. Yeah. And, and then uh, I got a picture of me like I, we we were doing a city one of those park hunts. It was a shotgun hunt, and we brought our our super mobile ladder stands in, like yeah. running down the trail like. Oh my god. Making all kinds of racket, but I shot three deer with my muzzle loader um on that hunt, and we stuck. We stuck all three on that ladder stand and and hauled it out as like the super the super deer cart. The big and, game cart, yeah. Yep, it was pretty awesome. So so you're in a Phantom right now, I'm guessing, right? Is that is that what yeah, you're Yeah, Phantom what, what XL is is my preferred uh saddle at the moment. 
Okay. And then what, so what's the rest of your setup? Like, uh, you know, as far as like, how do you get up the tree? What, which, you know, which, which, uh, camp do you land in? You know, are you, uh, uh, you know, one sticker, you know, multi-sticker repel? Yeah, I'm, 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 I do a little combo of both, right? So I'm, I, I like my tethered one sticks and they're a pound a piece. And I, I don't really care that I'm carrying four pounds in to climb up the tree, right? So four, four tethered ones and I'm at hunting height. Uh, sometimes just three, but I do like to rappel down, um, especially if I'm going to do like a multi-day hunt, right? Where I have a preset, um, I'll get that rappel line set up, and even with, especially with my daughter, right? So I'll have her rappel down, um, just safer getting mm-hmm. up and down the tree is having her rappel down. So I've really gotten into the rappelling piece, but not so much the one sticking piece. Um, I'm I'm on the fence about it. And it's like, if you're in a janky tree, I know I talked to Garrett Prawl and he's like, oh, I, I'm going to do a video on it, right? Like, janky trees are easy to do. I'm like, okay, well, mm. well, I'll see. And That's debatable. <laughs> if you're going from one trunk to the next trunk, how do you do that, right? Um, so I want to see that. And But um, I, I get that everyone's like in love with it and it could be the flavor of the, of the month or whatever. But yeah, um, really just like four sticks and uh, uh phantom or the um not the phantom but the uh predator platform predator. yeah um but i do like having a ring of steps on there for an all-day hunt too um because sometimes i'll just swing around to the other side of the tree and i'll sit there on my ring of steps and i like to i like kind of like to saddle or straddle the tree like like it's um you know riding a motorcycle or something mm-hmm. yeah um so i like having those extra steps on there but that's if i'm gonna do like an all-day hunt or multi-day hunt if i'm just gonna go up for the day then i'll just use the the um platform and sticks so or i'll just yeah. use sticks in the in a ring of steps so i'm, I'm a big ring of steps fan uh I think you well. know so i got a ring of steps uh i've tried them all i've tried all of this stuff right so i'm like okay i'm gonna try the ring of steps thing so i got i don't, I need, I don't even know what brand it was they were like the hard plastic ones uh, maybe Bullman, I'm not sure, but it had like the ratchet strap on it and everything like that. And I got it off like one of the forums, you know, like on a, on a you know trade or what, what have you. And they showed up, I took them out of the box and they were clunky and loud and heavy. And I didn't even, I mean, this was like, literally like they showed up at uh, a place I was working at. Right. So I opened it, I repackaged everything and I put it right back <laughs> up for sale. I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm taking Done, this. Done, huh? <laughs> No, and uh, yeah, they did. They barely made it like off the table. I'm like, ah, uh, no, you know. So I don't know if there's like a lighter, less less clangy, less uh, uh, you know clunky uh, version of that because that would be like to be able to kind of go around, like actually go around the tree. Um, I, I don't think you can do that with with anything other than than something like that, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, you can you can. I mean, you can pivot 360 on a platform, but like actually getting to the other side of the tree, um, and like completely repositioning yourself, you need steps for that. But um, yeah, I, you know, I've used the uh, the Amera steps, I've used the Hawk steps, and uh, APIs and uh, game trackers, right? And I don't know if you ever used game tracker steps, mm-hmm. but they're they're an older, they're I think they were pre Amera steps. Um, but they're they're plastic and they but they don't have wings on them um and they're probably like an inch and a half wide okay uh, but they're uh, like those kind of like there's the sweet spot right they're they don't have like the big wings on them like the Ameristeps did so they they stack a little nicer yeah 
Um, but they are they are loud until you tape them. Once you tape them up, they're fine. Um, yeah. But they don't. Yeah. They're not quite as compact as like hawk steps are or like the squirrel steps. But they have you got more foot space on them than those squirrel steps do. So I don't know. I, I think I think they're a nice tool to have in the in the tool chest. Um, kind of like everything. But kind of like everything. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, so last year I, I got rid of the, so I, I had, I had the ultimate one stick, right. From Eastern woods. Um, just amazing. Right. Um, just, just awesome. Awesome. Like super awesome build. And, you know, it had that ultimate, uh, the UP platform or whatever, you know, like it was kind of angled. I wasn't a fan of the angle. Uh, the angle was too much angled. I wasn't using the yeah. angle part, but, um, as far as being able to grip the tree, and uh you know had the cam cleat on there works great for one sticking you know and all that so so as far as like that setup it was like the cadillac of setups right it, it was great but um and, and, and i've been one sticking for like a couple of years um before i was doing it with like hawk heliums and uh like, like daisy chain right well you know tr- trying to shimmy up a daisy chain you know without actually unhooking it you know what i mean um, I, I was like liking it to kind of like shimmying, like, like up your fat pants, you know, like left, right, left, right, left, right, you know, and kind of thing. And it gets stuck on the bark and all that, you know, um, and, and trying to unhook the daisy chain off of the, um, uh, versa buttons and stuff like that. It's a pain, you know, when you're doing it. So when I switched to the, the cam cleat, man, I'm like, okay, this is sweet. This is like way good. Um, but then like I was finding, I wasn't really getting to the positions on the tree that I wanted to be in. Um, and the exact tree that I wanted to be in, cause, cause I'm shooting a stick bow, right? It's like, I don't have that extra oh, yeah. like 10 yard buffer of like, okay, this isn't perfect. I can sit in that tree over there. That's 10 more yards away and just as easy a shot. Well, I can't do that. Right. So if this, if this tree is leaning a certain way and I need to be on a certain side of that tree, you know, as far as like the clock goes, um, then, you know, you're, you're a plumb bob, right? Yep. Um, if you lean off the side or whatever, and you're constantly fighting, and then it's one thing if you're just kind of standing there and you can kind of like brace yourself and hold in a position. But then when you go to grab your bow and then you're actually trying to move and, and, and you know, get in position, well, then you don't have any of that stabilization going on with your hands because they're, they're busy doing something else. And you were just going to swing down. And I'm like, man, you know, maybe I'm just going to try a tree stand again. So end of the end of last year, I so I sold that that ultimate um, one stick because I really shouldn't have. And I got the Novix Hilo. Right. And I've never been like super comfortable shooting out of a tree stand anyway. Like I'm not, I'm not a big tree stand guy. I had no problems in a saddle because you're, you're constantly under tension. um, You're being held. I have like, like zero fears whatsoever. I'm like, this is what I needed to be elevated. Um, In the tree stand, I'm still kind of like, I don't like being far away from the tree, you know, kind of like close to the tree. I'm like tree hugger that way. Um, But then of course I get running like limb clearance issues, you know, with my bow and things like that. Um, which would be a whole lot easier if it was a compound, you know, cause I can just hold the thing vertically, um, snug, you know, parallel to the tree and just, yes, I could probably get 360. I can't really do that with the bows I shoot right now. Um, so I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm kind of like, um, I, I, I didn't like the fact that you, I, I didn't have the stability or be on the side of the tree with, with, uh, uh, a saddle that I wanted to be on all, all the time. And I didn't like the fact that I'm shooting out of a tree stand and I'm not super comfy out of a tree stand. Um, you know, cause, cause you know, that one you can adjust, you know what I mean? Just, it's kind of like a, you know, it's basically, it's like a lone wolf, right? So you can get the angle and then the pitch and all that stuff. And, um, you can be in some pretty gnarly trees, but you know, you're still hauling that thing around, um, which is not that big a deal if you got the right backpack and everything. But, 
um, I, I don't know, it, it, but, and I like steps, you know, uh, one sticking up a non perfectly straight tree sucks, you know, repelling is fun. Okay. But one sticking up, even every, every like, like leap you make every jump, you know, that you make, um, you're, you're swinging to the low side, you know, and you got to kind right. of work, work your way, you know, up and, um, it, it, it ends up being like more work than, than, than needs to be. Whereas if you carried like three, four sticks or even sticks with eighters, the three, I got like three, three hot killings now again with eighters. Um, then you can put them on the side of the tree that, that you, you kind of want. You can almost like spiral your way up if need be. And, you know, putting up a stick and cinching it and then just climbing up to me is, is a whole lot faster than doing the one stick thing, you know. Um, so when you said you do kind of like a hybrid of it, I think this year I'm going to switch back to doing like a hybrid. I'll still probably keep the tree stand um, probably because, you know, I, I, I hacked the seat, you know, for like my lower limb clearance on, on my left side. Oh, really? <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I got it. Um, I, I mean, I can get a new seat from Lone Wolf, but it's like 60 bucks. I don't want to spend oh. 60 bucks on a new seat. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, what I'm going to do this year is kind of do again, more of the saddle, um, but carry those three sticks and, um, just use the sticks to go up and down. And, you know, when I'm up there, I, I, I always do like a, like an extra, um, an extra tether anyway, like my tethers are like identical, you know, they're like seven or eight foot, uh, long, you know, uplux. Um, and I have, I have Prusix on them, right. I don't, I don't have any of the mechanical stuff on them and I just do it for, for backup, for safety. I put an extra bridge on my, I have a tactic saddle. I put an extra bridge on there just cause I'm a redundancy kind of guy. Right. And I'm like, if I have this, if I have this rope anyway, cause I can use one as a lineman belt or something like that, you know, and they, there's the ropes are so small. They stack one on top of each other. They don't get in the way. It's like hanging from one rope, but I have two of them there. So, um, I can put two of those ropes in, you know, my, my, my side pouch sure. and use one as a lineman's, you know, that one will have a rope man on it. I can use that as a lineman belt and while I'm climbing the sticks and then just stand on my sticks. Like I, I, I rarely do all day sits and I've sat on before I bought, um, the, the one stick I had, a uh, uh, the, mm, how was that called? The, um, uh, custom fabrications one, um, artisan outdoor uh, fabrications one, um, that was bolted to that, that didn't work so well because the, the heliums flex a lot, um, with, with that kind of thing. But if I have, if I'm just standing on the steps of the, of the hawk heliums, I'm okay with it. And I think I've resigned myself to the fact that I'm not going to shoot 360 around the tree. I'm going to have to pick my trees more carefully. And the easiest way for me to actually get in and hunt is climbing sticks, and, and, and multiple and not have to, you know, carry all that extra like repel rope. Plus like, like when I did the repel thing, like 50% of the time I had like trouble getting my, my, my rope back down. Oh, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's the, such uh, a pain. I, there, there's a, yeah, there's a little bit of a trick to that one I learned, but, um, I've, I've tried the Delta links. I've tried hooking it on one side of the loop versus the other side of the loop or, you know what I mean? But even still, all it takes is for that thing to get stuck in like one, uh, you know, like bark starts to peel, you know, peel away yep. as, as a Y or something like that, you know, and it gets like stuck in that little, uh, you know, groove of, of one little piece of bark, like, you know, 15 feet up. You're like, shit, I got to climb up again. <laughs> you know, this defeats the point of making this fast. I've been, you know? I've been close to having to do that. And, uh, oh, I was, I've done I think that, that, um, uh, if you look at that JRB hitch, uh, that has, I, I haven't looked into that. I've like, yeah. Watch his videos on it. It's it's actually pretty ingenious, right? Because it's like it, you're just doing a hitch around the tree, 
Um, but there isn't. You're not trying to pull the rope when, when you pull the when you pull the the uh, the release end of it, mm-hmm. right? It, uh, it it's like it's like unfolds like a tortilla around uh, off the tree, right? Instead yeah. of like you're trying to pull this rope against bark and stuff like that, it like just it's like it jumps off the tree, right? Hmm. So that would be, and then you don't have any delta links or anything like that. You just have to know that you're tying this thing right. Uh, which is always a risk, right? But uh, yeah, that, that looks like kind of a slick way to go as far as getting your rappel rope down. But man, like it is super nice rappelling down when you know it's dark and you're just I just want to grab my sticks and I don't want to put my lineman belt on and um, sometimes I'll slip off of one or whatever and mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's a safer way to get down and um, if yeah, I'm, certainly you just yeah zip right down. It's fun. Uh, I was using a uh, I was using a munter hitch. Um, with oh, the auto block as a backup. Yeah. Cause I didn't have a, a save card or anything like that. So, um, for me, that was extra fiddly and I know people are going to say, well, you don't have to have it fiddly just by a safeguard, but I, I get it. But, um, you know, this, I was, I was retying one of my, so I was untying a Prusik, um, for one of my ropes and then retying it as an auto block hitch off my side. And then tying my main one is a mantra hitch off the carabiner I was hanging off of. And, you know, it only, only, I don't hunt that high, only to go down like 15 feet. I'm like, man, I could be, you know, I could go down halfway and jump the rest for God's sakes. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I'm like, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm liking sticks better for that. Um, you know, so I, I think everyone finds their own little, uh, uh, kind of thing that works for them, right? They take little, little pieces well, of this and pieces of that and put together the whole kind of kit for hunting and then, you know, they run with it. Yeah, and that's the great thing about saddle hunting is it's, like, so personal, right? Like, yeah. everyone's setup is different and it works for them, right? And so, um, you know, what works for Ernie is does not going to work for me and what works for me is not going to work for Greg or whatever, you know, like yeah. any of those guys. Um, and they've been doing it forever, but it's, you know, uh it's, it's all about experimentation and perfecting your craft, right? So it's uh it's fun to it, like you know and when you when you're not actually hunting, it keeps you hunting, right? Uh, by tinkering with this stuff and oh sure whatever. Um, so like I've got I'm sitting in a pile of ropes and beaners and all kinds of stuff right now, because uh, I'm like playing with like um. <laughs> you know, I've I've retied all my linemen with uh, that Mishokan hitch, right? Because that seems to be a really awesome hitch for. I don't me. even know what that one is. Um, it's like a distal. Um, it tends really nice, and hmm. I got one set up like it's like almost self-tending, so without without a tender on it. So, um, you find the perfect rope and Prusik combination, or like the cord combination. It's pretty sweet. But yeah, it's a it's a really nice hitch to uh, uh, it's very smooth. Uh, I'll just say that much. It's very smooth. You were selling a bunch of ropes, weren't you? Was that you? <laughs> yeah, that was. was that was okay. Yep, yep. Uh, purging uh, a bunch of stuff. So, <laughs> but you know what I do? I'll purge. I'm like, oh, I don't need this one, or I'll hack it up, or whatever. I'm like, man, I really wish I had a rope that was like two foot longer than what I got right now, and I had yep. it like last week. You know what I mean? Shit, why did I sell it, or why did I get? <laughs> never sell stuff I, I still haven't learned this you know like uh, you say that until you've been you're like i haven't used that in years you know i'm just yeah. getting rid of it and then i'm like oh, dang, maybe i should have kept that around right um yep. it's like uh the, you know i had uh leverage sticks you know I, that that was like leverage sticks were like my 
those were the bomb. Like when those came out and, um, you know, we bought them for like 49 bucks for a four pack. I'm like, oh, man, man. Yeah. like, but when they're like, you know, they're short and they're portable and they're, they had, but they had a bunch of junk on them. You didn't need, so you had to mod them, uh, which wasn't bad. Um, but really that's what like inspired the Skeletors, you know, cause I, I showed those to Ernie and he's like, dude, these are great. And, uh, so everyone got bought leverage sticks and then they went up to like, you know, you try to buy them on saddle hunter classifies or something like they're like 160 bucks for four. Oh Jesus. Um, so, and then they got, and those were the recalled ones, right? Cause they, <laughs> cause they, the steps would break on them. Um, oh man. But yeah, so then they, Tyler made the Skeletors, uh, to be like the leverage sticks only get rid of all the weaknesses of the leverage sticks. But those, man, those are yeah. really one of my favorite sticks. Um, bar none. They're great. But tethered one. And I'm trying to get away from, um, see, I like the packability of the Hawkeliums, right? I've never had a problem with them. Um, I like the packability of them, but you know, they are kind of minimalist. They're, they're flimsy. They twist and all that, but also like the, you know, the steps that fold down, right? Every time you, you fold, you unfold one of those things down, yep. you got to be careful. So it doesn't make a dink, you know, or unless you, you, you quiet it somehow, you know? And then if you're climbing up and you accidentally like knock one up, you know, or just even a little you bit, like with your trying. knee. Yeah, then you got to reset that thing down it back again. down. Yeah, which is not a big deal, but it's just more noise. You know what I mean? So the more I'm trying to get like closer and closer and closer, because I have to now for my setups, I'm realizing like freaking Dan Infault was right, man. I mean, he just, just super quiet. I mean, the tiny, tiny, tiny little details make a huge difference, you know? So, but then I'm looking at beast sticks and I'm like, yeah, but, you know, they don't really like fold at all because there's nothing to fold, which is great. They're quiet. But how am I going to just strap like three of those things on a backpack? You know what I mean? Um, it, it's yep. one thing when you're strapping them to a, a tree stand because it's something solid to, to strap them to. But I mean, a backpack is a big squishy thing that has, you know, variable <laughs> amounts of squishiness in it, depending well, on the, how long the time. Are those, you know? How long are those bee sticks? They're like 20. They're over 20 inches, right? They're like this. Uh, so he's got two, right? So he's got the longer ones and a mini. The minis, I think, are like 18 inch. Okay. Um, step distance and the the regular ones are 22 inch step distance. See, I, I carry my tethered ones like sideways on my pack, right? Like I have them mm. like, uh, and and they don't catch on anything. Like yeah. Although I'm a little wider than most, but um, they they cover like I never I never have any problems with my my, my tethered ones catching on stuff. And I think I think it like the one piece, um, no folding business. It, like just keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, is the way it, I'm. Yeah, I'm pretty convinced that that's the way to go now. Yeah, uh, quieter. Least, and, yeah, I, I did like the folding steps because they like I'd put two on each side of my pack, and they would they would never get hung up on anything, and they were super short and all that. Yeah, but, um, yeah, that, but there's yeah. a ton of good options out there now. Like it's crazy. Like is if you got money to burn, you can really get the good stuff. <laughs> so i'm waiting for like the hovercraft you know that just kind of elevates you up kind of right. thing and just kind of deposits you and like okay here you are kind of thing you know <laughs> i mean it can't be that it can't be that far off but yeah so that, that's gonna that's gonna be my hybrid setup i think you know it, i um you know i like i said i did i didn't get all the things that i was really looking for out of the um the saddle because i couldn't get to all the angles and i'm like and i i still couldn't get all the angles that I wanted to just because of positioning and clearance issues and stuff with, um, the tree stand. And I'm like, okay, well, 
now I'm, I'm doing that kind of like mental like evaluation, like, all right, well, if neither one of these is the hundred percent answer, I'm not going to get a hundred percent answer, either one of them. So which is like the least, um, or, or the, the, you know, the best one that gives you the most bang for the buck, most mobile. And that's, that's back to like a hybrid version. Like I said, of just, you know, saddle with three sticks. Um, you know, I mean, I could one stick if I, if I wanted to, but you know, three full length sticks, they, you know, I, I, I tried them out the other night actually on my, how they, uh, pack on my, uh, about a Kafaru, uh, shape charge. Right. So, you know, they, they went in there nice, the bottom supported by the bottom grab handle. So they don't want to fall at the bottom. And I'm like, all right, I could do this. You know, this, this, this is it. We'll, we'll, we'll run with this and see, you know, see what this gets us, you know, because there's, there's no perfect option from, from the other ones I tried. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always a work in progress. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, but, but that, that's the fun part. You mentioned that like your Kafaro pack, like I, I got that SOG pack off of Amazon for like 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I love that pack It is everything I ever needed in a backpack. Right? And it was 30 bucks. I'm like tickled pink. Nice. Um, totally makes up for all the other stuff I spend money on that was worthless. Right. So, um, you gotta save save in some areas where you can, but, um, yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, the, I'm not a Kafaro snob because, um, I, I, I had, I had one of the Kuyu, I had, I had several of the Kuyu ones before that. Um, and, uh, I, I went, I went the Kafaro route because I'm like, all right, well, I, if I, if I do go in and, and I do genuinely like, not like Instagram deep, but I genuinely like go in deep. Right. So I'm like, I'm having to bone stuff out. If I come out with this, I'm coming out with at least a load. Um, I'm not making multiple. Right. So it's gotta be big enough to, if I shoot something, I gotta be able to get it out. Um, yeah. plus I pack like a girl, so I have to have, you know, all, all the <laughs> shit in there that I need, you know, um, just, just so I can be fashion sensible, depending on the time of the day and where I am with, you know, with the foliage around me. So, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, but, but it's, it's, it's not a perfect pack. Um, I think Kafaru, this may, this may be like, get a lot of people butt hurt, but the, they don't have the, the organization and the fine kind of details that I look for that a lot of Midwestern or Eastern, like whitetail people look for. They're getting there with their packs but they're not there and they're, they're little, little things. Um, and I've done a, like a couple of videos on it or whatever, and I haven't done one on this one, but like the door gunner, I have that one too. They're not perfect. And they're just little details that need to be fine tuned. But I wanted something that was like, like the best built and the most robust and actually had enough room to, to, to carry like, you know, at least deboned deer out. So I settled on that one, you know? Um, otherwise, yeah, I would, I would probably go with, with something a lot, you know, cheaper and lighter and, um, you know, but, but I'm not, um, I'm not making a jab, but I'm, I'm not taking anything, you know, like 150 yards to my boat. You know what I mean? So I got, <laughs> I got, I got to figure out a better way a more efficient way that if I'm successful, you know, uh, to, to get a big load out, you know, in, in one yeah. shot kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I would, it, it's, it's like, as a we're work in progress, you know, you, you, you tinker and you move stuff around and, uh, that's yeah, fun. Yeah, I think you know the next thing on my list is build a e-bike because I got, um, you know, there's all kinds of stuff you can access from from bike, mm-hmm. uh, and that would be ideal because I have like the Hawk crawler and but Hawk that Hawk crawler is probably the best thing Hawk's ever made. Um, that deer cart, it's that four wheeled cart. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think I know this. Oh, check this out. The Hawk crawler is called, and uh, it's got four wheels on it, and they and and they've, if like if you hit a log, they'll like flip and like basically crawl over the log. Oh. It's like it's been the best 
the best deer cart I've had. Uh, doesn't tip over on stuff, and uh, only bad thing is like the tires go flat. Um, so oh. <laughs> yeah, I always got to air up the tires all the time. But other than that, it's like design's pretty sweet. But if I can hook that up to my to my fat tire bike and then uh, convert that to an e-bike, then that would be a pretty nice public land setup and city park setup, uh, stuff like that. So that's next on my list for for this weekend. Otherwise, my I think my I'm feeling pretty good about my saddle. Like again, my saddle stuff is just like minor tweaks now, right? Um, and then as far as bow goes, you know, I'm shooting uh, day six arrows. They're 680 grains. They're a little overkill for what I'm shooting. Jeez, but, yeah. Um, and then the iron wheel wide wide heads. Um, oh, good lord! Yeah, you're good. Yeah. So they'll go through about anything. Uh, uh, Elite Cure is uh, my bow of choice. So. Oh, okay, cool. I've been, yeah, I really like my last compound was an elite pure. It was a 2011 elite pure yep. and pure. I sold it last year. Yeah. And, um, and it was kind of like a Franken bow that I, that I built, you know, I'd custom dipped and, you know, put different limbs on and, uh, you know, whatever. And a really sweet looking bow. And I'm, I'm still kind of sad that I sold it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, cause I went in like full hundred percent trad, this and that. And like, I would shoot like five, six arrows out of it. Um, you know, once every six months and then I put it down, I'm like, okay, that's good. You know what I mean? Um, and anytime I was in the field, if I carried that, I'm like, man, I really wish I kind of had one of my stick bows just cause it's more fun to shoot and carry. <laughs> and you know what I mean? But I still like, I'm, you know, I, I took it into cabin fever over here, you know, and, and it was on consignment and, um, you know, somebody bought it. And the other day I told, um, uh, I don't know if you go, know the guys in there, but Gary, and I told him, I said, yep. you know, if the guy, whoever buys it, I'm like, if, if they come in. You know, if they're looking to sell it again. Like, I might be interested in buying that thing again, you know, just just to have it back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not that I have, like, a crazy desire to hunt with one or whatever, but just just because, I don't know, it, it's one of those – some things you get rid of and you don't miss. Some things you get rid of, you're like, man, that would really look nice hanging on my wall. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, especially if you if it was a Frankenball. Like, those those things kind of hold a special place in your heart. Right? Yeah. <laughs> So like when you've uh, like I've got a I've got an ESS saddle that I've um, I've uh, <laughs> I've hacked to pieces and yeah. made it completely not like an ESS but uh, I've, I've I'm gonna give that one to a buddy to use because he's just getting into deer hunting so I'm like oh, I yeah. kind of don't want to get rid of it but I think it'd be a sweet starter for him um, but yeah it's a uh, the it's always a challenge like I. I've always looked at the trad stuff. I'm like, man, I could totally get into it. But then that's the problem is I would totally get into it. And then I wouldn't kill anything. <laughs> yep. Yep. I can, <laughs> I can vouch for that. <laughs> like I kind of like killing deer like, and filling the freezer. And so, and I, I, when I, when I get a chance to shoot him with a gun, I'm going to shoot him with a gun. I'm sorry. I'm not a purist. <laughs> so. No, 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 absolutely. I mean, that's like, I said, that's what I end up doing, but, um, yeah. So, um, all right. So we've almost an hour and a half over here. So I, I want to bring this kind of like wrap up here, uh, back to food real quick. Right. And I know we can go like hours and hours on this, but, um, what is your favorite thing to cook? Like what is oh, like, gosh. without a doubt, like, um, I don't, whether it holds like a special memory or whether it's, it's, it's easy to make or complicated to make or, or whatever. Right. Um, or taste the best. Like what, what is your, you know, if someone says, make me the most special thing you, you, that you know how to make with, 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 uh, you know, let's say a deer, you know, what, um, what, are, you, what are you doing? I think my, well, with, with a deer, 
Um, I'm going to say it's the Birria Tacos. Uh, they are awesome. I had, I had them. I had, first time I had Birria Tacos is at that little Mexican restaurant in Jordan. And I'm like, man, these things are great. And so I like found a recipe online. I'm like, I can do this with like a deer shoulder and a, and a neck. And so, so what is Birria Tacos? I keep so, seeing like videos on it and I never end up watching them, but yeah. So what it is, it's like, it, it's, it's one of your like tougher cut, um, pieces and it's it's but it's braised in this it's like a chili broth right mm. uh there's like three different types of chilies a bunch of garlic cinnamon um I'm trying to think what else you know you got uh onions and all that stuff in there like and uh but it's it, you uh you add in venison stock so i, I like to make my own venison stock of course and then mm-hmm. add that to it um and then you simmer like your deer shoulder i'll do like a shoulder and a and a and a maybe a shank Right. Um, it makes a pretty decent amount. And so you simmer that and then you end up with, and then I'll put in a little bit of, uh, lard to get, you want like a fat layer, right. On, uh, in your, in your broth. Right. So then you take, once that's done, once that's done braising, you'll take a corn tortilla and you dip it in that broth. And then you put that on like the skillet. Right. So that, that fat is going to connect to that it's going to stick to that corn tortilla along okay. with the broth, right? And that's going to give it a nice that nice crispness. And then you oh, put on – you take that shredded meat and you put it in, in the tortilla and then um, you, you do like uh, – I don't even know how to pronounce it, like the Oaxaca cheese. Okay. And uh, it comes off like string cheese. It's like, it's like super creamy. It's awesome. And then cilantro, some pico, and you put that on there and then you just – and you fold it over like a, uh, like a taco. Right? Oh, good you're, lord! You're basically crisping up both sides, and then you take that taco, and then you take a little bit of the broth, and you put it in a little cup, and you dip that taco in that broth, and it's like a sauce for it. Oh my and god! It's, it's so good. It's like so. I made <laughs> that sounds I made, awesome. I made this so, and the great thing about it is, it's like it freezes really well, right? So I made up a big batch, and then I brought that to North Dakota. Uh, with all the tether guys and it must have been like 12 or 15 of us in the cabin and uh i'm like all right i'm gonna make up tacos and it, like all i had was like two frying pans right and so i'm just like going between these two frying pans making tacos as fast as i can and uh and, but like greg greg says like this is the only way deer shoulders should ever be made <laughs> <laughs> so it was a big hit with that crowd um wow so, yeah, so so even after so, crisps, you can fold a taco over though without without a yeah snapping, it's got or? enough it's got enough like it's it's not completely crisped yeah you know? so you want to fold it over before it's like hard like uh okay yeah it's not all right um so you're gonna fold it over while it has a little bit of of uh pliability to it and yeah. then you're gonna flip it one more time all right so you'll then you'll get both sides nice and crispy okay yeah yeah, that, that's kind of what I do when I when I you know fry tacos at, or uh, make tortillas at home or whatever for for tacos and stuff. But yeah, I, I I've I've never done the uh, um, like the dipping of the lard and all that stuff. That sounds that sounds pretty that sounds pretty amazing. I, yeah, I you need, I need I a little bit of fat in there. My, and yeah. uh, I, I guess that's that's like my favorite one. Like my my wife's favorite is just straight up stroganoff, right? Like uh, Hank Shaw's recipe is like it's just awesome. Like throwing a bunch of dill in stroganoff just like changes the whole thing it's awesome dill yeah really yeah. so you would you never would have thought but no. uh yeah dill and stroganoff just like 
it just brings that freshness to it that's so good. Um, so there's probably like a tablespoon of dill in his recipe, and it's like that was the that's the differentiator right there. Hmm. Um, so that, and then my <laughs> my daughter's favorite wild game dish uh, is uh, she likes to shoot rabbits, right? And so a rabbit uh, tagliatelle is what I make, and it's just a take your, your rabbit in the instant pot with uh, some white wine and some sh- chicken stock. Um, and then get that to where it just falls off the bone. And then just make up like a white wine sauce and uh, some telly telly noodles. Um, and uh, yeah, a little white wine, Parmesan, lemon juice, um, just kind of something we'll whip together. And she's just like, that's the whole, her whole motivation for killing rabbits <laughs> is to make that dish. <laughs> so that sounds really good. That's something she loves. So oh I, I, I'll, I'll, I threw three out there, but um, it's hard to pick one, man. It's just no, I know, I, I know, I knew it'd be hard. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, off the top of my head, those are my, those are kind of my favorites. Um, but you know what? Most people let it, that are like that are into this. If I ask them kind of this kind of question, it always comes down to like what you said, like some sort of braised meat, right? Like yeah. um, you know, braised shoulder, braised braised shank, or whatever, because that's where all like the rich flavor comes from. Um, you know, th- those. Uh, not to sound elitist, but like those that are not in the know, you know, they're going to sell backstrap. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, right. well, it, it tastes like, it tastes like meat with whatever seasoning you put on it, but it doesn't yep. have the flavor profile that, that like a deep, rich, um, like, like Ryan Callahan calls it meat butter, you know, when all that connective tissue like dissolves in there, and oh, yeah. it's all rich, you know? So it, yeah, it's just, that's just another oh, level. The, oh, the, and then now it reminds me of like the call fat, right? So mm. I saved the call fat off of a deer this year and we wrapped the uh, meatballs on it. Yeah. And my God, that was like the most amazing meatball I've ever had in my life. Is, I think I like, messaged you about that. I asked how, how it was. It was so it, yeah. like, yeah. it was, it was ridiculously good. Right. And, uh, um, yeah. So I like that, that recipe's out. I think I linked to it on my Instagram or something that, um, I got, I got, I'm not, I'm not unique in any way, right? I'm just a recipe pirate, so I take other people's oh, yeah. stuff and make it. Totally. But uh, yeah, he had a dynamite recipe for meatballs, but I just wrapped it in call fat and then served it with polenta, and that was just so good. Oh um, man, I would totally <laughs> like. I, I feel ashamed for not keeping all the call fat from all the other animals I've gotten, but that uh, I definitely will not be missing that piece uh, again. It's coming out, coming out every time. Yeah, I, I've I've never I've never done that, but I think maybe next time I might uh, you know I might try. Yeah, it's like if so, you know that that yeah. kind of like that bone marrow um, flavor, it, it kind of had a little bit of that going on. Really? Oh um, yeah, it was, it's like that that those pieces like in the in the shank that are like they're silky and they're um, smooth and gelat little gelatinous. Oh man, mm-hmm. it was good. So yeah, that's that's another one. Yeah, of those, so good. That meatballs and polenta. Cool. Well, cool, man. We're uh, we're past an hour and a half here, so <laughs> yeah, dude, I we're, we're we're definitely gonna have to do a part two uh, later later on in the season or something when you actually like shoot something or I shoot something and you know we can we can talk like actual more recipes. But uh, I, I'm glad I got the chance to talk to you because like every time you put something up on Facebook, I'm like, this is like my brother from another mother. Like I, you know, <laughs> like are we best friends and we don't know it because like like you make like awesome stuff and I'm like, God, that's good. And you're good on the presentation stuff too. You know what I mean? It doesn't just look like, oh, here's some shit on a plate um, that tastes great. You know what I mean? So 
um, yeah, that, that's, the that stuff looks really good. I'm like, man, I got to talk to this guy. Plus we're, you know, almost neighbors. So, yeah, well, um, we'll probably run into each other this, this coming fall too. I was going to say, uh, I, I, I hope we do. Yeah. You know, and stay then, off um, my public land. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be the one trying to get like, like five yards away and you can be, be picking them off from 40 yards away. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> No, I might, I might help you drag it out, so or to your boat, so I, you know. I can always use a little help dragging it that thirty yards. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool, man. Um, so hang on with me here, so I'll, I'll wrap up there. So you know, thanks everybody for listening. Um, if you like this episode, please like, share, and subscribe. I know we didn't get like too deep into into actual actual like like bow hunting, you know, whatever. But you know, whatever. You know, this is the reason I that, that I do it, and a lot of people other do it. So hope you do, uh, you know, hope this was this was entertaining, and hope you picked up a few tips. We didn't really talk about a whole lot of cooking tips, I guess, but some did, you know. Um, and uh, I want everyone to hold me accountable for making that mayo glaze, or not even a glaze, whatever you call it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. So, um, all right. With that said, uh, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks. <laughs>